This podcast explores explicit and adult-themed content. If discussions of sex or male bondage offend you, or if you are under the age of 18, you should not continue listening to this episode or future episodes of The Bondage Gaze. By continuing to listen, you acknowledge that you are at least 18 years old and aren't offended by discussions of male bondage, sex, pornography, or other kinds of content with sexual themes. Hey guys, welcome to the Bondage Gaze. I'm Sammy. And I'm Nat. And we are joined again by Sean. Hey Sean, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you? Ah, can't complain. Who would listen anyway, right? Exactly. So what are some of your favorite contexts and or scenarios for male bondage scenes? And the examples are taken out of commission, hostage prisoner, abduction, cuckolding, home invasion, consensual bondage sessions, pranks or other. So uh, as far as like context and scenarios, like I, all of the above, <laughs> there's not really too many that I, that I'm not interested in. I know though, like some of them, like a kidnapping scene or, or a, a hostage scene, those can be really challenging to set up. You got to have the, the right place. You got to have the right people. You got to like, there's a lot that goes into figuring out how to do that. Even though it seems so simple in order to do it in a way that somebody's not going to get injured, making it happen, or that you're not going to, you know, end up <laughs> getting arrested because you're doing this and it's supposed to be fun. Like there's a lot that goes into trying to make a kidnap or a hostage type scene possible. And I think they're extremely hot in theory. And if I had the opportunity to do one in the right way, absolutely, I would be interested. But again, that takes a lot of conversation, a lot of planning and a lot of trust on both sides. I have to trust that you as a sub are going to do what you're supposed to do to make this happen safely. And you have to trust that I as a dom will do the same thing and that we have a plan to where it's not going to land us both in jail. So there's there's a lot that goes into that. I tend to be extremely casual in a bondage scene of, I don't want to have to fight you to tie you up. There's a time and a place for that. And if that's the scene that's set up, that's one thing. But I want to, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know you. I want to have a casual conversation as I'm just adding more ropes. And then I'll all of a sudden you go, oh shit, I'm stuck. And that moment, that's like a high right there to see that happen, like that transition on somebody's face when they suddenly realize like, oh, oh, this is real. Like I've, I tied up <laughs> a college kid that hadn't really been tied up much and was like, oh, I can get out of whatever you put me in. I was like, <laughs> okay, we'll see about that. And there was this moment where the reality of the situation set in and he's like, oh my God, I'm really stuck. I can't get out of this. That was great for me. Not gonna lie, that was fun. And that's the moment where you're like, and here's your gag. Uh, but but in general, it, it's really casual. I, I can go from, you know, we're talking about random whatever it is, or, you know, the, the TV's on and we're watching, you know, in, in one case, it was episodes of Family Guy we're playing <laughs> as we're, we're doing the rope work, all the way up to it, it can be a lot heavier, a lot more serious, almost to the scale of, of Master Slave. But that involves, I, I'm not going to do that the first time that I play with somebody. That's somebody that I've played with a lot, have a really good understanding of what he he wants what he's okay with and like we've we've done that multiple times and at each time it gets it, it builds up to you know something more than it was last time but that's that you know we've played a lot of times and we have all of that background there to drive that 
But in general, it's really more casual stuff. I'm not opposed to doing like some role play type stuff. If you know, you want to be the football player that gets captured to serve the rest of the team or whatever. Like I, I can incorporate elements of like that sort of stuff into a scene if that's what somebody wants to do. But it's not like that has to be every time I tie somebody up, there's got to be like this whole backstory and a scene. And like, that's not necessary for me to have fun, but it can be fun to do that. Yeah. Like I love how the time when you were here for a work trip and you tied up my boyfriend and I, and he was in my military uniform and then I was in a flight suit. And I like how just based on that, you kind of just sort of gave us nicknames like for that. And it wasn't even really a role play related to that, but just that little detail was fun. And that kind of came out of the inspiration of the moment. It wasn't a planned thing. It wasn't something that was figured out ahead of time. It was just kind of, we were in the moment, we were having fun and it, it seemed right. So that's what happened. And like, that's how the majority of scenes with me go is, is kind of like that. It just kind of what happens and feels right as we go. And, you know, there's that knowledge ahead of time of what, what your limits were and what you were okay with and not okay with. And that's always in the background, but it was mostly just kind of a, I didn't have a specific plan for what I was going to do with the two of you when you showed up, you got there and you changed clothes into the, the uniforms and there was like, mm, okay. And based on what was available in the room also kind of drove that too. Like that bench was the perfect place to do what I did with having you guys back to back. And you know, if that hadn't been there, then we would have done something else because there wasn't really a, a script for that going into it. And then getting back to that, I mean, I think I even pointed it out in the podcast before. It's, it's like, I love how I was gagged like pretty much the whole time because everybody else kind of got breaks and whatever and got like untied, whatever. And I like that. I was pretty pretty much gagged until like a little bit before we left. Why would someone leave you gagged, Cavernous? I mean, can't have you disturbing the, the neighbors in the next hotel room when I have to stay there for the next three days on a work trip. I don't want to get kicked out the first night, right? I just, I asked you that of me because I wanted to hear you giggling. <laughs> and that giggle is even better when he's gagged and he starts laughing like that. Then it's just epic. Is this because you're being funny or because you're tickling the shit out of him? They're, they're both good options. It is really fun to tie him up and tickle him. Too many people have had fun with that. I don't know. I feel like you might have already answered this. Um, but yeah, the next question is, so um, how did you learn your skills in roping and dominating? So the rope skills really came like I, I had a basic understanding of how to use rope, like on a very limited scale for a long time, like just, you know, self bondage, like you kind of start to figure out some things of what works, what doesn't work. And so I, I kind of had a basic understanding of, of rope, but I just hadn't really had the opportunity to practice it until I met Tiny Tight was his screen name. And he was the first one that really, I let him tie me up and just kind of went with it. And he then talked me through how to tie him to the chair. And from there, he kind of gave me some pointers of like, you know, if you make this adjustment, do this, do this. That's where that really kind of started to shine was in tying him up and, you know, him getting to the point of like, he was really stuck and got exactly what he was looking for because he kind of taught me how to do it to him. And then from there, I just started branching out and kind of like exploring a little bit and be like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I do this or if I put this piece here or, or wrap this this way. And it kind of just started to blossom from there into what it is now. And so my, my chair ties, my hog ties are very much inspired by what he taught me. I've made some of my own changes to the process over time as I've played with a lot more people and, and tried different things and figured out, oh, this works well, this doesn't work or whatever, and, and kind of have made some adjustments since then. But he was really the one that taught me the basics 
of what to do and how to do it and, and how much rope to use to do it. Cause he was really into using a lot of rope. And that's kind of what set me on that path as well, because I really loved the amount of rope that he used on me. And he told me what size of rope, what type of rope he used. And so that's what I bought to be able to do the same kinds of things with. And then as they say, the rest is, is history from there. <laughs> Yeah, that's really sweet. And yeah, it's like, well, I knew I knew that you knew him. Yeah, like really well and all that. And we're part of his like, you know, group of people that would come to IML every year and everything. And then also with uh, what you were talking about, like with that of like him basically mentoring you like into that. I mean, it also sort of reminded me a little bit of um, because my boyfriend is not a rope guy, like he doesn't use rope at all. And he uses, you know, mostly like different kinds of leather restraints and stuff like that and so he had to walk me through a lot of that when we started dating and especially when I started uh, dominating him because he started as the mostly the dom and then it's like I love like how that progressed to the point that like one of the last times I tied him up like with my belt I, I was doing something with his legs and then I had an idea of like you know what I was doing and then I stopped myself because a better idea came to mind and then I so I I stopped what I was doing and you know kind of readjusted to do that and then and then when he, he like saw that he was like okay that's like the most like this is the most like turned on I've been like while you're, you're tying me up you know that I guess I it sort of evolved to that point of like you know I figured out better ways of you know getting things done and all of that I actually if if I'm being tied I love watching that process happen watching the person that's that's doing the roping just kind of play with the rope and 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 experiment and and be creative like that I love being the subject that's you know I'm the canvas and you've got the rope and you just be creative and and see where it goes like with, with the right person i love letting that happen and there's there's a couple of those out there that i'm like i'm your canvas what do you want to do to me <laughs> so basically how you treat your subs is also how you want to be treated on the rare occasions where you're the sub i i would say that's a very fair statement actually yeah if i'm doing it to somebody else there's a good chance that i would probably enjoy having it done to me as well yeah i can get behind that i'm just the opposite i'm rarely a dom but what i do when i'm a dom they're things that i would like done to me how do you typically find new kicksters to play with? So oddly enough, as challenging as Instagram can be, the majority of the people that I've met online that I've actually ended up meeting in person have come from Instagram. I, I don't know why that is. Like I've, I've met some on Twitter. I've met some on Recon. I've met some in other places or, you know, meet them at an event like IML and we have a lot of fun together. And then that turns into, hey, you know, I'll come visit you. You come visit me. Like some of those things have come out of being at group events like IML and MAL as well. But honestly, yeah, Instagram seems to be the place where I have met the most people that I've actually then ended up playing with in person. Like I said, I don't really know why that is, but it seems like the people that I talk to there first tend to be more frequently the ones that, that go somewhere in terms of actually meeting up for play. Well, it makes a lot of sense, really, because admin issues aside, like them shutting us down all the time, Instagram is the most social place. And I feel like, well, I'm guessing in your case, a lot of the time it's word of mouth and there is quite a close-knit community where everyone in the community is friendly with each other and everyone's engaging, sort of. So it does make sense that Instagram is where you would talk to a lot of these guys and then that would lead to play. I think it kind of lends well to the fact that the, the bondage is the thing that I'm the most interested in. And that's really what you can actually show on Instagram. Like it, it's not about, you know, posting videos of, you know, somebody's tied up and getting pounded or whatever. Like, you, you know, that's not on Instagram. So the content that is there is is much more what I'm really interested in. And that's why I think I've clicked really well with a lot more people there than, than elsewhere. And like that, that seems to 
be the trend. And then, you know, a lot of times uh, I know that people that I've tied up talk about me to other people. And then that leads to referrals, so to speak. Or, you know, Nat talks about me on his podcast and I get like 12 follow requests that day. (laughs) (laughs) That's happened. I actually have for IML, I have a couple of different people that are actually recruiting for me. Like they are out there talking to their friends being like, hey, you should, you know, plan to join us and come get tied up in this guy's hotel room at IML because they've had so much fun that they are then now, you know, referring other people to to try to pull them into that process as well. Yeah. And then I feel like another thing that helps with Instagram is also being able to tag people because like, yeah, like, cause that is like a huge thing. It's, you know, cause even coming from the perspective of somebody who looked at porn in the early 2000s when there wasn't really social media and porn wasn't linked to social media in any way like you would see these people on it but like you're you just get a picture and a name you don't know who these people are you don't have ways of finding them or anything and i mean a lot of them are probably just straight and just modeling for the money but like you know the thing with instagram is people can post that kind of stuff like that and then tag them and then so you can find them and then you know follow them message them comment on their stuff whatever and you know that's like an instant like kind of connection and just way of networking and but absolutely is there's there's the the rabbit hole effect there that like somebody posts something and and tags the people that are involved with that and you know you you follow them like oh i'm not following that person so let's tap there let's follow that one and go back and oh there's two more let's see oh i'm already following that one like that's absolutely a thing that happens on Instagram because tagging is such a big piece of that. Yeah, I never really thought about that before. So speaking of posting something and tagging a bunch of people and people (laughs) clicking on the tags and following them and everything like that. Yeah, so what do you like about playing in groups? I guess I'm connecting that dot because when I posted about the party and how many people I've tagged on that and everything. Yeah, uh, well, one of the things for me about playing in groups is that like there's so many people that I can tie and that's what I love to do. I love to tie people. And so it's kind of fun in a group setting to be able to like get one person tied up and then hand them off so to speak to somebody else to kind of like tease them and play with them while I'm tying up the next one and I I really kind of enjoy that element of I can just keep focusing on the tying and have somebody else there that is entertaining the captives so to speak because you know they're stuck and can't do anything but having somebody else there to be like okay well you're tied up so uh, I'm gonna let this one play with your nipples and tickle you while I go tie up the next one right like there's that endless ability to keep tying and that is a happy place for me to be able to just keep going and in a one-on-one session you don't really get that but in in the group session depending on the size of the group there's that kind of that ability to just like keep going and i've been accused of being like the energizer bunny of i just keep going and going and going and going um until i run out of rope and then well i guess okay you're going in the straight jacket then because i'm out of rope Um, which is usually only an issue when i'm traveling and can't take all the rope with me okay you even saying that getting back to iml last year like i heard the day when you tie i guess when you started that record when you tied that many people that you barely even like ate or anything that day because you were just so busy doing that yeah no that that's the thing like i i'm i'm actually terrible about that in the group session of like i don't focus on like taking care of me i just am playing all day long and then suddenly it's like oh it's been like 12 hours maybe i should you know drink some water <laughs> or eat some food that doesn't happen so I, I i gotta work on that personally of like taking care of myself while i'm doing that but yeah no that that is a very real thing that happened last 
last year. Like I just, I just kept tying people and didn't really focus on that. And suddenly I get to the point, I was like, all right, guys, I got to take a break. I got to find some food and I need like 30 minutes to just chill. And then started right back up and kept going till the wee hours of the morning at that point. Cause that's, that's kind of how that goes. But yeah, that's the thing that, that happens in groups is that I don't really take the time to, to take a break and drink some water and, you know, eat lunch. <laughs> Gotta make sure you take care of yourself. But I get that you just get in that fucking mindset. That's the thing. Like when I'm when I'm going, you know, like traveling to to play like this, like that's why I'm going. I am going to play. And you know, I'm admittedly a workaholic. I work a lot. And so I don't have a ton of downtime normally. And it's self-inflicted. I do this to myself. But when I travel for fun, which this for me is fun, I want to do as much of it as I can. When I get there, I I just I want to play as much as I can. I'm not trying traveling to sleep in a hotel bed somewhere, right? Like I'm traveling to tie people up and have fun and play and I'm going to do as much of it as I possibly can. I may be exhausted when I get home, but I am exhausted in a good way because I'm exhausted from fun, not exhausted from, oh, I worked two 12-hour days. Like It's a different kind of exhausted at that point. I guess I can see it from both points. On one hand, you should be recharging and eating while you're there. But I get that you don't want to take time away from that. I got to strike the balance there somehow. Yeah. So what might be preferable about playing one-on-one in comparison? So I would say in a one-on-one type of scene, you can build a much stronger connection with somebody. So you get to be, I don't know that I want to use the word intimate, but you get to be that closer knit kind of play can happen in a one-on-one scene that, that doesn't really work the same same way in a group environment. So, you know, I've, I've referenced a, a buddy that I play with pretty regularly and it's most of the time it's one-on-one scenes and it, it goes beyond just the bondage in, in that situation because that's the relationship that we've kind of built as we've played over time. And it's a very different type of play than the group session of, you know, there it's all about how many guys can I get tied up at one time? Whereas in a one-on-one session, it's how far can I push you as a sub to get to that really deep headspace? And, you know, can I flirt with the line there of we're, we're right at those limits that are set. Can we nudge up against them and, and potentially move them a little bit for the next time that we play? That's a very different thing in a one-on-one session that in a group scene, you can't get to that level with somebody when there's that many people around because there's the, the distractions of, you know, side conversations that are happening or, you know, in the case of even, even what we did in April, you know, we're in this huge house, but you can hear what's happening on the other end of the house with, you know, there's three or four guys that are playing in that room and there's three or four of us that are playing in this room and you can hear each other in that group session and that kind of pulls you back from being able to get to that really deep sub headspace and there's nothing wrong with that that's part of the reality of playing in a group but that is one of the things that you can get in that one-on-one session that you you, you just you're not going to get there in a group you're not going to get to that really deep headspace of of that sub really starting to question like do i need to stop this because we're hitting that level or you know getting so deep into it that they just kind of completely lose that ability to not be a sub and the headspace that could be created there is just so different and i love getting to that point with somebody that that i can get to that point with right like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go there on a first time with somebody and you know grab the flogger and beat you till you're crying because it's the first time and uh, that's just the way it's, no that's something that happens with somebody that that has that developed relationship and trust and understanding of i'm gonna beat you until you're crying but then i'm gonna let you down and i'm gonna bring you back to reality as part of that process the aftercare is important yes and that's much more of a 
thing with one-on-one play versus group play because you get to that point much more so in one-on-one play than you do in group play. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's really just sort of like quality over quantity, like quite literally. I mean, we brought up in previous recordings, whenever we talk about, you know, group things is they obviously get a lot of attention online. You've probably gotten a lot of similar requests since April or any other time you've done this, but like of people just coming completely out of the woodwork and wanting to be invited to like something like this. And, you know, like people that you haven't even had a conversation with, you know, you know before we did this or anything. And it, with that, it's like, okay, well, it's once again, like quantity over quality of like, you know, there needs to be a little bit of a relationship or something there that we just, you know, we could just keep kind of building that in, you know, one way or another or something like that. And then eventually get to something where we can, you know, do a group thing or something like that together. I've done this. I've invited people that have not played with before or that have not really played in groups before. And I've invited them to group sessions, but there has to be a lot of conversation that happens first before that's even remotely on the table of, well, hey, we've got, you know, eight of us renting an Airbnb for a weekend. You should join us. Okay. Well, (laughs) we've never talked at all. You're not even remotely going to be considered to be on that list. Not that it's not possible for somebody that I've never played with before to get to be invited to a group session, but there's a lot of conversation that has to happen first. Bottom line, like there has to be a pretty solid understanding of each other before we get to that point. Most of the time, I've kind of reined back in on on the group sessions a little bit, and I'm not just inviting every random guy that I can find to say, hey, let's get together and have a group. No, that, that doesn't really work. The dynamic of who's there, who's a dom, who's a sub, what do you like? Are we even interested in the same things as a group in general, there's got to be some commonality there. Otherwise, it's it's just not going to work. So that's why I say like generally group sessions now tend to be mostly people that I've played with before or that somebody there has played with before. And because, you know, I've played with you enough times and you've played with them enough times, we can kind of bridge that gap and that works. But don't expect to just say, oh, that group thing you did last weekend looked great. Can I come to the next one? Have you ever played in a group before? Because it's a very different thing. And that's important to recognize and understand and talk about. But also, if we've never met before, that's too many levels of complications to do that. So and I'm I'm not trying to steer people away from wanting to be part of groups, but there's a certain dynamic that needs to be present in all of the people that are going to be there in order for it to be a good experience for everybody involved. And then I feel like in a way with like that level of submission that you were talking about of it's also kind of a similar thing of, you know, you need to build a certain kind of foundation, you know, of something to like reach that point. It's not like, okay, we're meeting for the first time and you're tying me up and we're going to get to this, you know, to this level like tonight or something. Yeah, and it's great that these people want to get involved. That is bloody awesome. But let's look at it from both sides. From your side, yeah, sure, these people are keen. But if you invite one random person that you've never spoken to before, it kind of becomes, well, if I do it for you, I have to do it for this person and this person. It's like I used to say to customers that want you to push the fucking policies for them. It's like, if I have to do it for you, I have to do it for everyone. And I'm not I'm not doing that. And, and, and I definitely understand what you're saying there. But at the same time, we're not talking about a policy here. I I can break my own rules anytime I want to when it comes to to playing, but I have my rules for a reason. I've done it and I know what 
works. And I know that if I break that rule for somebody that hasn't given me a good reason to break that rule, it's not going to go well. But I'm willing to break my own rules, so to speak, as far as play goes in the right situations. And don't assume that you're the right situation for somebody to do that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe saying you have to do it for everyone's a wrong way of putting it. But you could also counter argue with that. Like, hey, if I do it for you, I got to do it for everyone. Even though, yeah, of course, it's your own rule. You are free to break it as you wish. And also from their point of view, you don't want to just jump in. If you're a faceless profile who's done no bondage at all, you don't want to suddenly jump into that. You might think you want to, but start one-on-one, start slow. Absolutely. Crawl, walk, run kind of model there of if you've never really played before, definitely a group session is not the place to get your first experience because there is so much happening and it'll be overwhelming. You got to take it a little bit slower and crawl a little bit, get some experience and understand like, are you even going to be okay once somebody ties you up and you have that moment of realizing that you're suddenly helpless? That's a very different thing in a one-on-one session versus a group session where you may suddenly find yourself tied to a chair in the middle of a room of eight people that you don't know, and you may just completely not be okay with that at that point. And where do you go from there, right? Like that's a that's a hard thing to come back from. And, and I'm afraid that that would scare somebody away from doing anything else in the future because it was so overwhelming. So from that regard, you know, a group is not a good place to start playing. You got to kind of build up to that and you got to have a lot of experience on your belt before you even really try to go there. Yeah. So going off of this, um, so what advice might you have for people who haven't done bondage in group settings before? I think the biggest thing I would say there is that if that is something that you want to do, it requires a lot of communication. Don't expect to be able to get invited to a group and then just show up and see what happens. That's not a good way to approach that. Once you've played with people, if it's say it's a group of eight and you've played with four of them multiple times and you, you know and you trust those four, that's different. Like you're at a point where you're not completely new to anybody that's there that I'm not talking about those kinds of situations but if you've never played in a group before you got to consider what's going to happen when you get there are you going to be the one out of the group that's tied up and everybody else is around you and laughing at you and and, and pointing at you and like you know I mean that's an extreme like that's not usually how that goes but like is that the way you might react when you find yourself in the middle of a room full of people and you're the one that's tied up and nobody else is there's a, a different headspace that you can get into really quickly there and it can either be really good or it can be really bad. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to know that. But if you're really interested in, in group play, start with a small group, three people, build up to those bigger group scenes or, you know, go to something like IML or MAL and find people there like in the you know safety and numbers, so to speak. If you're in the lobby, it's a very different experience than if you get into one of the hotel rooms upstairs, right? Like, you know, there's a lot of people around there that are, you know, if there's suddenly a problem, which I, I you know, is not likely, but if there is, there's other people there around you that can, that can help you or that may have experienced something similar and can help you through it because they know what's happening. I would say the biggest thing is start small. Don't expect to just show up to a big group without having ever done any group play before. I mean, I'd also add to that even just like somewhat connection and compatibility, compatibility, which you brought up earlier. It's like, it's it's like, that's another big thing of like people you can trust people who people who know you and like know what, you know, know what to do with you and things like that and everything. And of course, it's always nice for there to be new people to try things with but then at least if you have people you already know with you that just makes it safer and i think even the quality
quality a little better. Well, it's definitely more fun to play with somebody that knows what you like and knows how to give you what you like in a scene. And then adding that element of, well, if you're playing with somebody that, that knows that and can guide the new person that hasn't played with you before, can kind of give them some pointers and tips. And like, there's kind of that, you know, teamwork sort of element that can happen. And, and now suddenly you've got two people that you can play with that understand you. And, and then it just kind of grows from there. And suddenly you have a network of people across the country, right? Like it's absolutely good to play with more people and new people and, and branch out and keep doing that. You just got to do it in, in a way that you don't put yourself in a situation that you're going to be overwhelmed and uncomfortable and then not like what's happening because of that. So biggest thing is take it slow, you know, start in the shallow end of the pool and work your way to the deep end. Don't just go jump off the diving board. Something I just thought of and here you're saying that was one of the times when, when I was tied up during that trip in April. One thing Joe pointed out that is hilarious and it's all, I mean, that also kind of shows how well he knows me is like a really good way to torture me is to reference movies or something that I like when I'm gagged and I can't participate in that. Oh my God, I never thought of that. That would have be torture for me as well like if someone starts talking about tv shows i like that's the kind of thing that like getting to know the people you're playing with that you understand like that's a button that you can push with somebody that comes from time that comes from playing with each other talking to each other like you don't just get that out of the gates and and like you said that means that the joe knows you and understands you and knows that that's a thing that he can use against you and uh just for the record i've uh, noted the same thing as well so uh i'll be using it against you as well oh you shouldn't have bloody opened your mouth at that <laughs> So this week's viewer question comes from Omari, Ochan35 After Dark, and that is, what are the recommended best practices for entering the kink community in terms of resources? I don't know that I can point to any real specific resources for that, but definitely making profiles on the social media apps. So do you have an Instagram? Do you have Recon? Do you have Twitter? Do you have FetLife? Well, I mean, any, any one of those platforms is a perfectly fine place to start. The biggest thing that I would say, and, and maybe this makes me the resource here in this particular case, is actually complete your profile. That's probably the number one thing, because if you don't put anything on there that indicates what it is that you're interested in, what it is you want to do, learn about, what, whatever the case may be, and you, you can specify that in the profile of, you know, I'm interested in learning about this, or, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in this, but I'd like to. That's important because I, I will fully admit that if somebody requests to follow me on Instagram and I look at their profile and there's nothing there at all, I'm probably going to delete it and move on because I want to interact with people that have interests that I know align at least somewhat with mine. Like we don't have to have all the same exact interests, but if you're not at all interested in bondage, why are you asking to follow me? That's kind of my first thought process there. And generally, if you don't have a at least some kind of profile picture, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a picture of your face, like that's not necessarily a requirement. I know some people won't interact if there's not, but in general, most of us don't require that. But take a picture of a, a, a piece of rope or a roll of duct tape or something that matches up with your interest to at least show that you're trying, that will go a long ways towards helping you get people to interact with you. And then, you know, we, we kind of talked about this earlier also of like, when you do reach out to people, give more than just a, hey, hi, what's up type of conversation starter to let them kind of know, hey, you know, I love your rope work. I'd be interested in in learning more about hog ties or like something that kind of is that conversation starter to lead that conversation in a direction that, that gets to what you're interested in. Because if all you send is high, I don't know what you're looking for. Do you want to be tied? Do you want to tie me? Do you want rope? Do you want tape? Like that, that gives me no context of, of where to take a conversation. So if your profile doesn't give me that and your message doesn't give me that, I don't know where to go from there. 
And that kind of is probably the number one challenge for people that are just getting started trying to enter the community is that obviously you're not going to have pictures of you playing because if you haven't really got to do that yet, then you won't have those. But you can still find other ways to fill out a profile and let the rest of the community know what it is you're interested in and what you're looking for. And that's going to go a long way in getting interaction started. And then from there, you got to be able to keep the conversation going. Well said. But with you saying that, I mean, it makes me think of like, one of my biggest pet peeves with like a lot of local guys on recon is they just have exploring or explorer or something explore or something like that on their profiles and the thing is it's so vague it's like okay you know at a certain extent like i'm always exploring you know but people when like they don't fill out their profiles and basically all they say is you know i'm open to anything i'm exploring i but you know and it's like but they're not giving anything specific and yeah and it's feels like okay well then i don't know what you're gonna get like yeah if you if you say i'm open to anything i'm exploring i have no limits those are actually all red flags because that tells us that you have no idea what you are actually doing and you're probably not going to get very far if that's what your profile says no everyone has limits the worst thing you can say is no limits i actually if that's what your profile says i don't want to play with you so do you prefer donuts or bagels donuts hands down if i'm gonna eat carbs and sugary nonsense i'm going all the way (laughs) i want the full experience of like the sprinkles and the overwhelmingly sweet frosting like if i'm gonna be bad in that regard i'm going all the way good answer i need to show you a donut place here the next time you're in chicago because yeah like i fucking love the donuts here what kind of donut is your favorite i always forget what they're called but they're like the old fashion cake kind of style donut and I feel stupid for not knowing what they're called but I always see them on the shelf and I was like that one that's the one I want but they're they're not like the perfectly round one they have like the little cutouts around them and they're just really delicious <laughs> and those are always my first choice now if that's not there then a good you know maple log or or something like that will will fill the gaps but that's always what I look for first is like that old fashioned cake style donut that's that's the one I always go for first if it's there cool good choice yeah and the place that I'm talking about here like I think I think they're spe- they do a lot of different things but I, th- I feel like their specialty are cake style donuts like because they have a tiramisu donut they have a red velvet donut they have a, a carrot cake donut their chocolate cake one is like a really popular one I mean I like carrot cake but I don't know about a carrot cake donut it's good I was gonna say I wouldn't knock it till I tried it fair I, I feel like you got to be willing to try things twice generally speaking because the first time like you you may not actually understand like what's happening as this is and this isn't just food like this is this is a kink thing too like in bondage like you kind of got to be willing to try something twice because the first time it might just be so overwhelming that you don't even get to fully process it so you got to go back and try it a second time to figure out like okay did i not like it because i don't like it or did i not like it because it was such a new experience that i didn't fully understand it so my philosophy is generally you got to be willing to try things twice and i think that applies to food and bondage that's a good tip I guess it depends. Some things you will try and you know instantly it's not for you. But if there's anything you're uncertain of, trying it twice might be a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly things you can try and just be like, nah, I just I really don't like that. But I would say maybe just put that to the side and and eventually someday maybe consider trying it again. And, and if you really don't want to, then you really don't want to. You don't have to. But I found that there's been a number of things that I've tried them the first time is like, yeah, I don't know that I really like that. Like, meh. but you try them again a few years later with a different person and a 
a different environment. And suddenly it's like, oh my God, I absolutely love that. Why didn't I like it the first time? I don't know, but now I can't get enough. Sometimes that's the way that goes. And so if you if you immediately just write things off and are never willing to explore them again, you may be missing something that you might actually really like if it's done in the right circumstances with the right person. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's why I like, I feel like something I say a lot is like, I, like I'm not going to say never about it. You know, like maybe it's not my cup of tea like right now, you know, maybe I need some time or something like that. But yeah, it's like there's so many things out there that it's like, eh, you know, I, I might come back to it at some point and enjoy it again. I mean, I, I like because I've seen that happen already with so many bondage things that I like now that I probably didn't like when I was like 20 or something. Well, I mean, think about like with food, you know, you may have tried, you know, Brussels sprouts as a kid and hated them or tried something that you just didn't like. And then as you got older, your taste buds change. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, put some bacon grease on those are good. <laughs> in the in the right circumstances, the right situation, something may be completely different at some point in the future. So I, all I'm saying is don't completely write off the idea of trying something again, because, you know, maybe you, now you might enjoy it. Someone listened to James's episode where he talked about how his parents couldn't cook Brussels sprouts good. So he thought they were terrible until he tried them later on, properly baked with a bit of butter and salt. Or the, his mum didn't rinse off her dishes, so his tea always tastes like soap. And he just thought that was how tea tasted. <laughs> I did actually listen to that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't making a reference to it, but I did hear it. Well, as soon as you said Brussels sprouts, I was like, oh, James. Brussels sprouts are an easy target because like how many of us had them as a kid and absolutely hated them because it was Ugh, Brussels sprouts, those are gross. And then as adults, we try them in a completely different environment in a, you know, cooked in a different way. And suddenly it's like, okay, these can actually be really good. I feel like Brussels sprouts in particular are a thing that that happens with a lot. So that's why I use that as an example. So the same thing can apply to bondage. If, you know, you tried it when you were 19 with a random guy for the first time that you'd ever done anything and you didn't like it. Okay, well, that experience probably wasn't wasn't the right way for you to experience it. So, you know, maybe something to think about trying again with somebody else. Yeah. So do you have any questions for us? I feel like everybody has asked all the obvious questions of the two of you. So I don't know that I have anything new or clever or creative, but you know, for you, Sammy, when are you coming to visit me? Because I want to tie you up. Mm, put me on the spot. <laughs> I will say sometime next year, because there's a strong possibility that this won't get posted till early 2024, because we have a huge backlog at this point. So you'll have in your head, oh yeah, sometime in 2024. And then our listeners will think sometime in 2025. So... I can go either way, but Hubby and I would like to visit overseas at some point, whether it's the US or UK. As I've discussed previously, there is a travel warning for the US right now. That being said, I don't think that would stop us. Doesn't stop us from having fun. Yeah, but I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> like I say, I, I love to tie people up and that's my thing. I, I have got to check off a few boxes. I mean, getting to meet Gaz and Taylor in April in Chicago was like, I will admit this now. I mean, I, I kind of hinted at it back then and, and may have admitted it openly back then, but it's like, they were fanboy moments for me. They were on, you know, Thai Guy UK back in the day when I was following that. And like every week I knew exactly when the updates dropped and I was checking them like, and getting to actually meet those two guys and even more so getting to tie them up was, I kind of was having this like internal moment of, oh my God, I actually am, you know, putting my ropes on these guys right now. It's like, it was amazing to actually get to finally meet them. And, you know, there's a number of kinksters out there that I followed on social media for so long. It's like, if I actually got the opportunity to meet and tie you, I would be so happy. And that's my goal is to tie up all the fellow Kingsters out there. Oh, I thought I was special. <laughs>
yeah, it's like, but I was just gonna say, it's like Sammy has been gushing this <laughs> this whole recording. So yeah, it's like I don't know, maybe this might rev things up for him to get his, you know, whatever he needs to together to travel up here. I like how the way you talk about me is like I'm not in the room. I mean, technically, you're not. Good point. <laughs> Or like I'm as much property as Mr. Denny is. <laughs> I'm not property. I'm cargo. Someone chuck me on a plane. Wait, wait, wait. But but now I got to ask the question: which which is higher on the list, property or cargo? Ooh. Oh, yeah. You didn't think that through, did you? I'm, I'm going to need an answer. The answer is I don't know. But that being said, I think I'm more happy with being cargo because from your point of view, cargo, because I am already property to my husband. Oh, look at you being all sweet. Yeah, because he's in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, if you need help, just blink twice. <laughs> oh, sweetheart, I'm beyond help. Uh, we, we all might be beyond help. I guess, Nat, the question I would ask of you is, is there something that you haven't got to try that you really want to in terms of bondage oh my god okay well it's like well one thing is is, i mean i haven't really been tied up outdoors or anything i mean especially because it's like i ever since i moved to chicago i really haven't left chicago and it's a city so you can't really do anything outside so yeah it's like i mean so i think that could be one yeah that and then also particularly tied to a tree just because i know I, i i know getting back to gaz's first episode that was a conversation sam me and Gaz had and it's like at that point my experience level was like almost nothing and yeah and I was like oh that sounds like so like such a foreign concept to be tied to a tree outside so yeah it's like I get I guess that would be something like that Sammy as well what is there something that you haven't got to try that you really want to getting tied to a tree outside yeah and getting hogtied in the trunk slash boot of a car mm. I have been tied up in the trunk of a car it wasn't a hogtie and we tried to do it not being driven around but we did try to do it once but unfortunately the car we have at the moment it's just too small yeah it's like i that's another thing that i also haven't tried that i'd really like to is well even just being tied up in a moving car like just even like that in general and it's like i feel like my boyfriend kind of put that this sort of fantasy in my head of like like well because he's also a car guy like he really likes you know like certain old like kind of 70s big like just really wide cars and you know the idea of being like driven around in a city or something like that um you know with two guys in the back seat basically just manhandling you and everything like you're, you're tied up and just kind of that you know driving in a city but with like tinted windows so nobody can see anything and just you know something kind of like that you know that sounds really hot it does yeah i agree now what about you sean let's turn your question on to you mm. well i want to tie a guy to a treat now <laughs> <laughs> I've actually done that more than once. Um, it is fun. Things that I would want to try as far as like being the one being tied. I really want to, I love the idea of being like completely immobile. I, you're tied to something, but that object is movable. So think of like a, a gurney or a wheelchair or something like that and being completely helpless, but attached to that thing and then moved around. So in a straight jacket and then attached to the wheelchair or, you know, strapped down to the gurney and then wheeled around in the markets at IML or something like that. Like the, that kind of being helpless and stuck, but being mobile at the same time, like that combination of opposing things just seems like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's funny because like, I mean, everybody has computers in their house, in their houses and computer desks and everything. And so I tied a guy to a computer chair once and it was a pretty slippery floor. Like it was like hardwood floors. So he slid around like 
pretty easily and it's like that was something that was like so fun and then also like his reaction to it of like whenever he'd move he'd like flinch a certain way and but like he like was really turned on and by that and having fun with it and yeah it's like and that was such an easy thing just tying him to something with wheels on it actually i remember probably two years ago now my husband tied or taped me to this computer chair and he went out for a bit. He was only gone for about half an hour and I could have gotten loose. Let me clarify that. But I do remember like rolling around. I think I actually, because I had use of my hands. I mean, they were taped down, but I could use my fingers. So I set up the webcam on the fucking camera on the computer and then I rolled back so I could get a picture of me. I don't know if I kept that picture or not. I'll have to have a look. Now I'm going to turn your other question back to you, Sean. Okay. So you don't think I'm special. That's fine. You just want me to be another notch in your belt. Whatever. So when are you coming to Australia? Mm, you're going to have to do something about those flying spiders first. <laughs> oh, they don't fucking fly. I mean, they do in my nightmares, but that's because I'm very much arachnophobic. But unless we're going to go through some like Buffy situation where everyone's nightmares come real, I think you'll be fine. Uh, no, I would actually love to do like a, a world tour of bondage and, and meet people all around the world that I you know follow on social media or chatted with and do some kind of a think about what Gaz has been doing for the last year. Like that actually sounds like an amazing experience to be able to do that. And I, I would love to travel more and meet with people all over the world. And just because I want to tie up every person doesn't mean you're not special, Sammy. All my captives are special. It's okay. I know I'm not special. I've gotten over it. <laughs> but thank you, you beautiful liar. I'm being honest. They're all special in their own ways. So our conversation with Sean was recorded a few months ago, but I'm going to give Sean the opportunity to give us a quick follow-up. So, Sean, any more notches in your belt? Uh, so one thing that actually came out of our conversation, um, we had talked about it, I think towards the end about how to torture Danny by making him listen to his own episodes because we learned he had never listened to his own podcast episodes. I actually tied him up and put headphones on him and forced him to listen to his first episode on the podcast. Uh, he had no idea that that was going to happen when I did it. So his reaction was really great as soon as he figured out what was happening and he was not pleased but uh, of course he couldn't do anything about it so I made him listen it was a lot of fun evil and whose idea was it? yours now who would believe that I would do something so diabolical? well it's uh, in the recording so um, and just in case you get any ideas about cutting that out of the podcast episode I have it recorded also I'm pretty sure it's not in the re in my recording I don't think I have it did I never send it to you? I have it saved I think you might have stopped the recording and then you just lit up like oh man i wish that was recorded but let me let me make sure i think this is it he refuses to listen to his own episodes because he just he just doesn't want to hear himself I we am... need to tie him up and play his episodes in headphones <laughs> yes i knew why exactly where you were going with that i could see fuck it in your eyes fuck, fuck fuck why did i stop the recording that would have been so fun to get on tape we're gonna do that to him <laughs> next week we're gonna tie him up I'll have my headphones with me and we're going to play one of his episodes while he's tied to a chair. Oh, do I still have the separate audio tracks? I'll just play his. <laughs> well, just his be... voice. Yeah. Oh, no, that'd be cruel. It would be, but... You didn't say it, though. It was in the look on your face in the video, but you didn't actually say it. I did. See, this is why you're extra diabolical. Because you had me fucking thinking it was my idea. I mean, I think we thought about it at the same time. Yeah. Now let's hear what Denny has to say about this situation. First of all, bitch. Second of all, I hate all of you. 
<laughs> Let's hear how it was from your perspective. Oh my god. So it's IML weekend. I'm wearing my punish me shirt, which I realize I realize means I was totally asking for it, but of course I was. Sean has me tied to a chair in his hotel room. I'm blindfolded, I'm gagged, I can't see anything. And then, then he puts headphones on me and like he knows I like the noise canceling kind of thing, like sensory deprivation in a way. And then I hear Nat's voice start the intro. This podcast contains whatever it is Nat says. I can't remember right now because I'm I'm flustered. <laughs> and then I start hearing my voice and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And then there's nothing I can do about it. I'm trying to scream and I can't. I just hate the sound of my voice recorded. Like, I will not listen to my part of this episode. <laughs> I'm very sorry for my part in that. You are not. <laughs> I'm really not. <laughs> I don't even think Nat's sorry. That really was fun, though. Like, I hated it, but it was fun at the same time. But, I mean, it's funny because I knew it was going to happen because Sean was saying it was going to happen. And Sean isn't somebody who's just going to say that and then forget about it. I mean, he's done things like that with me a lot of, like, he would reference something I've said on the podcast or something, like, when I'm tied up and kind of use that against me. And it's like, yeah, he, his superpower is that he listens and he remembers. And when this actually happened, so it was that IML, everybody was in town and at the hotel and everything for it. And I, you know, I was working from home that day and was planning on going a little bit later. You know, I think I was waiting to hear back from my boss for something, but she wasn't getting back to me. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna fucking go like, whatever, like, you know, I, I can respond to an email or whatever while I'm over there. And so yeah, it's like, so I as I was heading down, I, I was texting Danny, like saying, okay, I'm on my way, I'll be there in like 15 minutes or whatever. And then he, he he wasn't responding and then he kept like not responding and i was just like okay like i mean he knew that i was like going to be leaving soon and whatever i'm not hearing anything from him and then sean started texting me like showing me pictures of danny tied up and everything and it's like oh okay this is why he's not answering my text and then yeah it's like and well because he was telling me like oh yeah guess what he's listening to because he was wearing headphones in the pictures so the burning question is are you sorry <laughs> why would i be <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I mean, cause Sean like said that, yeah, it's like, like the look, I, I, well, I don't know if it's so much the look on his face because his face was covered, but like, like the way he reacted, it's like, he was, he was just pissed. Like once he heard himself. And the funny thing is we've recorded with Danny again since then. So there's another, there's more to make him listen to. I mean, you don't want to scare him away, do ya? <laughs> make him stop appearing on the podcast, even though he just did. Well, I mean, he won't come visit you because he's like fuck i'm gonna have to listen to myself <laughs> i mean sometimes you see sean like without me so he'll just have to stay away from him before we bid everyone a good night do you have any final words sean i guess i would say that uh, everybody needs to be tied and gagged as frequently as possible definitely all right uh so that does it with our uh for our conversation with sean so we would like to thank sean for joining us Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's, it's always nice uh, getting to chat with you. So, yeah. So, um, until next time, I'm Nat. And I'm Sammy. And I'm Ty Guy Lyo. Two. Only on Instagram. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time.